0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: What's up, guys? It's your girl, Ride It, and you are tuned in right now to Rebel Radio with my man, Josh Levine. Keep it locked. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs>
0: What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf.
1: It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here where ah. Rebel Radio is going down. Would
2: you say Rebel Radio?
1: Oh wait, let's do it again.
0: Rebel Radio.
2: What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm Josh Levine. Uh, before we get into this week's episode. A lot of people have asked me about videos from the AMP Music Summit. For anybody who doesn't know, the Rebel Radio crew was involved in launching AMP Music Summit uh, last month. We had, it was a virtual music industry conference. We had 19 hours of, of talks from people all across the music industry and in related businesses talking about how everybody is adapting to the changes uh, brought by COVID. Um, that's all available on ampmusicsummit.com and uh hope you enjoy those. Reach out, love to hear what you think of those. Right now, let's get into this week's episode. Really fun interview, I hope you enjoy this one. I had a great time meeting Raiden. Uh, Raiden is a Dim Mac artist, one of our favorite labels who sends us a lot of their great people. She's, um, she's an up and coming DJ, rapper, producer, multi-talented, and um, what a great I mean you'll hear it I don't want to oversell it but I I really love like she she talks about becoming her own superhero and we talk a lot about on this show about models for success role models or you know, patterns that we can learn from other people, that's really the whole point of this show, is what we can learn from other people's success to create our own. And um, so for her, I mean, look at her, look her up online, she looks like a real life Avenger. And uh, and I just thought, you know, when when all this shit comes flying at us, what an amazing, empowering um, idea is it, it would be to have, yourself as a superhero i don't think i said that all that eloquently but she's gonna say it much better than i could and um let's get into it well uh well thanks for making time um, i'm excited to talk to you i've been checking out your music mike jones is the homie he's hey, uh we that's love awesome. we love mike he sent us some great people and he's he's been a good friend to us and uh and Steve Aoki, uh, we go way back. We used to do a, a club together back in, in uh, I don't know, 2005. Oh. So uh, it's been just watching his journey has been amazing. And, wow. Uh, okay, dope. And he always has amazing artists and talent around him. So I'm excited he, to talk to you.
1: Yeah,
2: that's the, that's the squad right there. <laughs> nice. Nice. So is that, are we looking at, is that your home studio set up?
1: love to move this around but then this whole thing would crash but basically just know that over here this keyboard extends into an mpk 88 i've got speakers i've got a 500 lunchbox series uh with my own modules installed in an apollo and all your other basic stuff oh and a tlm 103 of course so yeah a couple other things over here too so this is this is a full working professional studio in my home
2: nice so you're all set up
1: yeah yeah it's a i am i am that meme that the uh the apocalypse isn't really affecting music producer <laughs> so much
2: that's right yeah that's right are you is that um is that your normal like are you doing most of your work at home
1: yeah uh believe it or not, most of my songs even the most gangster ones have been recorded in my underwear so
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's something to that i'm sure
1: i mean you're supposed to feel comfortable you're supposed
2: to feel like you i sure feel like- is that right? Well, you can't yeah. do that in a commercial studio, can you? No. Nope. I mean, I guess I mean, you could. I guess but you could. Yeah.
1: Challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I'm I'm most comfortable with recording myself because I've I've just done it for so long. Yeah. Um But when I record other vocalists and stuff like that, I usually take them into one of my remote studios so they can you know have the full experience of like the vocal booth and like the lobby and all that. It's it's a nicer thing for them.
2: So yeah. 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 Well it's interesting. I think that's one of the things we're learning is like I mean, like us, we you know, I've I've been doing this five years. It's always been in person. You know, we go into a really nice studio and we take our mobile gear with us because we don't yeah, we don't really need all that. But you know, like you said, it's uh it feels nice to sit in a nice room and whatever. So now we learn to make do with uh with new options.
1: Yep. Adaptability and not complaining is
2: key. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let uh, let's get into your story. I'm I'm intrigued to learn about you. Um, and so, take us back to the very beginning. Do you, Do you remember the first record that you ever bought?
1: Yes. Oh my God. Um, Mariah Carey, Music Box.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I loved Mariah as a kid. Mariah yeah. Carey, Boyz II Men, Celine Dion. Oh wow. Uh, God, uh, TLC, Salt and Pepper, and Tupac those were like m and eminem. Those okay were like my was that five i don't know but those were like my five go-to's um i just god i love them and, and that's a very
2: diverse uh roundup celine dion and tupac I love, <laughs> I that's a good mashup right there
1: and even mariah and eminem are like you know like sword enemies yeah which for is sure hilarious. <laughs> for sure
2: do you ever play them now side by side and you have your own battles
1: no, but I have listened, you know, when it goes viral every once in a while when their beats goes viral, I have listened to the uh, Why You're So Obsessed With Me song by Mariah and then the Eminem. Does anyone remember the Eminem diss track to Mariah where he had like clips of her in his studio?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I think people forgot about that. But that was like, <laughs> I remember when it came out and there there wasn't as much like social media and stuff like that. Sure. But I remember being like, ooh, ooh.
2: That's so funny.
1: Yeah, so those were my influences growing up and um, a lot of classical music, a lot of Motown and uh, even Broadway. I I really loved Phantom of the Opera Uh, when I was uh, in sixth grade. I knew the entire thing from start to finish by heart. Like I could do all the ad libs uh, and I knew the score. I I would like sing the score and like, yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show. This episode of Rebel Radio is brought to you by Issue. So if you're a creative, uh, you make content, you need to get it out into the world, and after you're done editing, producing, all that stuff, you have to then format it for every different channel that you need to get it out to. So with Issue, you can make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. It's an all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines, etc and uh, it makes it easy. You upload your PDFs and issue transforms them using your vision, tons of customizable templates. You can push it out to Instagram, to Facebook, even Instagram stories, put it on your website, everywhere you can think of. Um, We've produced a lot of content over the years and I've found uh, I've done a really bad job of keeping archives other than a couple boxes here in the garage. But I've been able to find a lot of this stuff that that I've been involved in making on Issue's website. Uh, Issue's used by millions of people to discover content so you'll reach even more readers by publishing with Issue. We're getting ready to make uh, a couple things I'm not going to announce just yet but some stuff coming up from Rebel Radio that we'll be uh, putting out using Issue and I'm excited to share that with you. So the best thing about it is that it's free to get started with Issue. Go to issue.info slash rebel to sign up for your free account. It's ISSUU.info slash rebel and sign up and let them know you heard about it from our show. Remember that's dot info, not com. Go to issue.info slash rebel and sign up for a free account today. So so were you were you playing music as a kid or, or just listening?
1: yeah i played classical keys when okay. i was little um like all little asian children that uh-huh. was that was my job sure. so i learned piano the
2: piano and, or violin right
1: and if you were me it was both bitch <laughs> okay like, it like, you better do it, it was like you better do what all the other kids do i don't want no other parents being able to tell me that their kid does something over my kid that's right so i had to learn both
2: <laughs> that's hilarious
1: um, but I'm incredibly grateful for that background now because yeah. I i mean, classical music is so beautiful and it's intricate and, and, and the things that you learn, even now when I mix my records, um, I see an orchestra in my head because because I I I take myself back and it's not on purpose to when I was you know in high school and I played first violin in an orchestra and then we would go the violins would go on breaks right and then we would just sit there in the back and then we'd watch everyone else practice for a while and I was like oh well I was sitting there and the cellos were there and the piano was here and I start to pan my instruments in my tracks the same way I saw it in orchestra practice oh that's cool.
2: That's interesting. I mean, it's it's such a different, um, you know. Sometimes I think it's hard to find the connection between those those types of music, you know, classical with with you know, popular music today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh,
2: but you know, having that background, I think, is gives you, I'm sure, an appreciation for the, um, you know, being in those giant halls and, and what that sound does to people.
1: Yes so beautiful those two those are still my two favorite instruments to this day like anytime I hear a track with keys or or strings I'm like oh
2: nice <laughs> that's cool so how'd you get started making music
1: oh so um I have been in music in a lot of different forms uh all over the, like I guess the span of my of my life, and um, I came up through hip hop. Uh, I was a uh, music TV personality for a while, so I did a lot of on air hosting on uh, like red carpets for like the Grammys, American Music Awards, behind the scenes artist interviews, stuff like that. Nice. Um, And then I was also a DJ, and uh, I was one of uh, the I was part of like the official Interscope Records uh, DJ pool. Like I got, we would get called in um, to review and launch major records before um, these. Artists were, would launch. So I would get called in to meet with me and, and several of the other most influential DJs in LA would get called into Interscope headquarters before an album release. And we would sit with like uh, MGK, Kendrick Lamar, uh, French Montana, the game at a board tape uh, boardroom. Nice. And uh, their team would play track by track, you know, and explain it. And we would give our feedback. And then the album would launch. And we would, you know, then care about the artist enough to go spread the word. Sure, of course. So no. wait, so
2: so how'd that happen? I think you, you skipped the part of I, uh, becoming an influential DJ.
1: Uh, you know, the influential part wasn't a, a thing that I tagged onto my name. I guess someone decided that at some point. I just decided. I, I think the way I do most things in life is, like, um, I decide to do a thing, and I go and do the thing. Okay. There's no... Uh, the, the onboarding process to that is very short. As a matter of fact, the way I became a DJ was... Um, this was in 2012 actually and uh, it was when EDM had just become like wildly popular in the US and mm-hmm. I was I was obsessed. I just, I thought it was the most amazing, magical thing I'd ever seen. And I, I loved the scene. I loved how the scene was about music and there was less posturing and all that stuff like there was in hip hop and a lot less misogyny. And I and, and, um, uh, just, uh, yeah, yeah uh, it was just a much more opening environment. And, and there's so much more acceptance. And it was sure. pure, right? Peace, yeah. love, unity, respect.
3: Absolutely. Um, and
1: the festivals were phenomenal. And I just went, I want to, I want to do that. I want to go play the festivals. I want to do the thing. And I didn't know much about it. Uh, and all I knew that was to play the festivals, to do the thing you had to DJ. So I was like, cool, I'm going to DJ. And I decided to to tell people that I was a DJ because the second I decided it in my head, it was a reality. I didn't know shit about DJ. I didn't (laughs) know what Serato was. Right. I barely knew what turntables were. Like I was just like, I did not know. Um, But I put myself out there and I forget exactly. uh, Oh, I submitted to an event and uh, I kind of gave them my credits uh, in in entertainment in general. And the next thing you know, I was co-headlining in two weeks with like, I I believe it was Delta Heavy or Delta Force or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I was I was co-headlining this warehouse party and I had never seen a turntable in my life. (laughs) No way. I was going to DJ this thing and I was experienced. Um, (laughs) And so in, in two weeks, I taught myself to DJ, Mm uh, the same way, you know, I, I don't know how anyone else learns, but I think I, uh, ran to guitar center and was like, I want to do the thing. I need the things to do the thing and bought the things. And I taught myself. And, uh, two weeks later, I co-headlined that show, um, and got a standing ovation as I walked out of the venue. Amazing. So (laughs) what
2: was um, that feeling?
1: God, it was this incredible feeling of of coming home Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm gonna get emotional about this but uh for the longest time I felt like I'd been circling um being an artist uh because I had accidentally gotten discovered as an on-air personality so i was I was getting called in to be in all these amazing rooms and sets and red carpets and I was interviewing artists who I'd looked up to since I was a kid and they knew me by name um there were artists who like refused to talk to other TV hosts and and wouldn't talk to the network unless I was there and it was incredible but there was something about that that made me still feel like I was on the outside looking in at the thing I really wanted to do. Mm. Um, and, and it took a while, but there were a couple of moments. Um, uh, I remember Waka Flocka, Vanessa Manillo, and a couple other artists. When I would finish interviews with them, without saying anything, uh, they would pull me to the side. I Waka did this, actually, when I interviewed him at Avalon. And he was like, you know you're on the wrong side of the microphone, right? And I was like, what? He's like, you're an artist. You need to let that art inside of you out. Hmm. And then he went on and did the crazy Waka thing on stage. Uh (laughs) But those moments stuck with me. And at some point, um, I couldn't shake the feeling anymore. So that's kind of how I I decided to do what I I did. And um, when I finally got to play a show and see that that could be a reality, especially after two weeks of panic teaching myself to DJ, I was like, Okay, this is a sign. I am where I am meant to be. Um, I was, as my tattoo says, I'm not afraid. I was born to do this. That track in, like that. Hold too fast, better let it go. Hate won't last, better let it go. Speed too fast, you can let it go. Speed too fast, better let it go.
2: Don't need to get mad, just let it go. Ain't no need for that, you can let it
1: go. Don't be so sad, come
2: on, let it go. That's amazing. I mean. I mean, there's so much to that story that, um, you know, obviously to hear from people that you respect that they saw more in you than, than was, you know, than maybe you, you saw in yourself at that time. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty incredible. Um, but also, you know, the, I want to know where the confidence comes from to, uh, to co-headline, you know a big event when you, when you've never DJed and and don't know how you're going to do it.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's like a, it's definitely a confidence thing that's been built up over time, but it's probably more of a reckless thing. Like, fuck it. Let's go. Like, (laughs) I've had so many. Am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Okay, please do. I've
1: had so many fuck it. Let's go moments in my life that something like that just doesn't even seem that risky. Although when I say it back, it's wild. (laughs) (laughs) But in the moment, um, I don't know. I have always known that I could pick up anything that I wanted to super fast. Mm. One of my superpowers is the ability to learn at hyperspeed. Um, and and I've seen that replicate itself over and over again throughout my life even when I was I was a child in school Um, I skipped a year in elementary school Um, and then I went on uh, I started college um, when I was 16 you know and and, then I fit in fine I did well Um, anything that I needed to learn I noticed that I learned relatively quickly Mm -hmm. and there was something about it too that like when you feel like it's something that's meant for you there's a lot less fear you know yeah. um and and i i guess i'm unpacking it as i'm explaining it to you because i've never sure. really thought through but i think somewhere deep down inside there's the core belief that like i can do anything i want you mm. know i can do anything in the world uh that as long as i put my mind to it you know oh my god i'm repeating my own lyrics now <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you've heard whoever i want yeah um, you know, the most recent release I put out on Dimac, but, um, the, I was just talking on the microphone and I believe those things I say, you know, um, I believe that you can do anything you put your mind to and that you can be whoever the fuck you say you want to be. Um, and as long as you, as long as you stay true to who you are and you block out what other people believe or want to believe about you. And that's why it repeats twice in the song. It's like, so what do you believe? And the most people are like, oh yeah, you know, I believe in this and this. And I go, no, what do you believe? Hmm. And, and that's like the core truth that you have to, um, that you have to tap into and again, my tattoo, I'm not afraid. I was born to do this. Yeah. So, And the more you stack those experiences, confidence is like a muscle. And it's also a track record, right? As you accomplish things, you've done a, huge things in your life too. But I'm sure when you did your first creative project, right? You're like, okay, I feel like I could be good at this. I'm not sure. I'm going to try it. And you try it. You're like, oh, all right. Okay. And then you, you do a second when you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then by the time you get to your third or fifth one, you're like, I got this. I did all these other things. I can do this too, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's really good advice. I think, Um, uh, you know, first of all, just what you said, I'm not sure that I have that, um, that part of, of, I'm not sure I can do this. Mm. I I think I just sort of, um, I think I just skip to the second part of I'm doing it. I, I, and I don't even really think about whether I can do it or not, um, and and so it's a weird like for just speaking for myself because you brought it up like, you know, it is a confidence, but it's a it's a weird thing about you know it's a personality quirk I guess that's like there's an underlying I guess self you know belief, mm. but it, there's also like not it's not that I think I'm so great at stuff it's just more like. I'm just going to do it and kind of not think about the other part. And I always say, you know, there's so many things in my life that, that I've been able to accomplish that I never would have tried if I'd realized how hard it was going to be.
3: Mm, um, facts. And
2: so I, I'm, facts. I'm sort of lucky that I just don't think about that sometimes and do it because when I do think about stuff, it does, it stops me
1: why do you think you don't have that's exactly the onboarding process of the ramp-up period right between everyone has a different ramp-up period there's the thought and then there's the actual action sure. and for some people like you you just go Foop, and it's nothing for some people it can take an entire lifetime where they're like uh, I don't know I don't know yeah. still thinking about, thinking about it oh wait my life is over I never did it you yeah. know so those are obviously two extremes but why do you think yours was so fast
2: I don't know. I mean, I think some of it is kind of what you talk about of, of, you know, you have these successes in your life that build your confidence and you just, you know, from school to, you know, whatever, or some people were great at sports and then they walk away, you know, thinking they can do other stuff. Right. Um, you know, I think that's part of it. I also think, you know, like you talk about like your first DJ gig, you know, let's say that had bombed. Well, that's, you know, other than kind of crushing your dreams to, to like immediately, you know, jump into something that you were excited about, like that's not the end of the world. Like no one's going to, you know, no one's going to jump up there and kill you. God. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, or like, no, absolutely. you know, shame your family. Like it, people bomb DJ gigs. Like that's not the worst thing that could happen. And you'd have had a good excuse in your own mind that like, well, it was my first time and I tried it. And then, you know, so that could have turned out very differently, but not even necessarily in a bad way, right? Like you might have walked away from that going, I didn't do that great, but I can learn. Yeah. I just
1: need to practice more.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I think that's the other thing that, you know, maybe I'm pretty good at and it sounds like you're better at it is like you know we build up the the downside and the fear so much in our minds to things that a lot of times isn't real
3: no um,
1: that's that's very true that's very true and you don't know until you do it right it was the same thing with production i never thought i could be talented enough to produce i always idolized producers and then here i am but i think the um it's, it's interesting because i think some people are born with the muscle of being able to jump into things and not having certain fears and because everyone has different backgrounds and the reason for me i've learned that self-confidence and and honestly it's it's self-confidence but also a a really blind trust in in both god and the universe and my own work ethic mm-hmm. i just know that i'll work hard enough to where i'll get good at something it yeah. doesn't matter like i'll fucking just outwork you like <laughs> end of story um but I had the opposite message ingrained in my brain since I was a kid. I was, uh, uh, this is also why I ran away from home when I was 18, Um, but I I grew up in a very uh, toxic, abusive environment. And Mm. every second of the day I had messages put in my head, um, you're not enough. You're an absolute failure. You're not good at anything. You're ugly. Um, Don't move your face that way. It's not cute when you smile. Um, Mm. Don't wear pants because uh, your body, or don't wear shorts because your body isn't cute, you know. Um, uh, And and whatever you do, like, you're you're nothing without, you know, um, so and so and then you're just you're just going to fail uh, is basically what was ingrained in my head. Mm. And so I have had to parent and coach myself since the day I was born to not become a terribly depressed, anxious, suicidal kid, which is how I should have turned out, you know, Um, but something in me. And maybe that is the part that I was luckily born with, just knew that that couldn't be it. Mm -hmm. Even times when I didn't see a way out, um, Mm. I just knew that that couldn't be it. And I taught myself self-confidence over time and it took a very long time you know i don't think i wore shorts until i was 21 because of that message in my head i don't think i smiled on camera showing my teeth because of that message in my head uh uh, until around that time also um I don't think I dared to do certain things until I was um, 16, 17, 18. And I'd finally, you know, escaped uh, from where I was. And I was in college on my own and figuring out life. So a lot of things I've learned is if you're not, if you're not born with it, if you're not so blessed that you're just given this uh, natural confidence and fearlessness and all of that, um, the silver lining or or the, the hope, the hope in that message is that you can build it you know? Yeah. So that's
2: really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So what do you believe? What do you believe? I get anything I want. I get anything I want. I get anything I want. And I can be whoever I want. I get anything I want. So I want to talk about some of that. Um, first, you, you mentioned earlier that you are able to learn things really quickly. Mm. Um, and so how much of that? Uh, well, so teach me how you do that. For Let's say I'm, I'm not born with that ability. Um, but what what can I learn from how you do it?
1: I think it's honestly, it's not that I'm incredibly smart. It's it's a work ethic and Mm. it's a fearless inquisitiveness um and being completely unafraid to look stupid like you should see me when i'm trying to figure (laughs) it before when i didn't know anything and i was trying to figure something out like i would plot myself in the middle of fucking guitar center and i would ask questions to anyone who would give me the time of day and i'd just be like i don't know this thing well you tell me okay no i don't know okay but i have another question in class i'm the question. Okay. I have another question. I have another question because I know I'm not stupid. So I'm not afraid of possibly looking stupid, you know? Um, and I just ask questions and then I learn. And then when you, when you couple inquisitive, like I said, cup, when you couple fearless inquisitiveness, Mm -hmm. right. With, um, unstoppable work ethic, there's nothing that you can't learn at an exponential rate compared to everybody else. Amazing.
2: That's so great. My, uh, my son told me not too long ago that uh, he thinks he asked too many questions in class. And I, and I was like, no keep, such thing. keep asking. Let, let the teacher tell you Yes, if you're asking too many questions.
1: Yes. No, yeah. because you know what? After every workshop, Q&A, conference, whatever it is that I've gone to, always at the end of it, two or three people come up to me and go, yo, I'm so glad you asked that shit, man, because yeah. I didn't want to ask yeah, that yeah, like totally. everyone was thinking it. Totally. And then that makes me think, so if I didn't say it, that's you right. know, yeah. like, what are y'all doing? Just sitting there and like, you paid to be here. Ask the damn question. Like-
2: mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. No, <laughs> that's nobody- amazing. And, and so many people Sorry? are kind of, no, uh, that's such great advice. Cause so many people are held back by whatever the- fear that is. Um, Ain't
1: nobody going to be laughing at you when you win your Grammy. How about that? I
2: <laughs> love it. Um, so you, you've, uh, you've talked about becoming your own superhero um
1: look at my avenger funko pops in the back there
2: <laughs> nice
1: i thought of wearing my stark industry hoodies today to uh, like rep iron man but then it was in the wash so like r.i.p yeah but. don't
2: don't wear a dirty hoodie on my show <laughs> it's not right
1: not like y'all can smell it through the
2: camera <laughs> um so uh what does that mean to you
1: <sighs> Ah. I became my own superhero when I realized nobody was coming to save me. Mm. And very early on, as I mentioned slightly earlier um, in this conversation, um, I realized that nobody was coming to save me. You know, Um, I was in this crazy environment um, and I was an only child Um, and I was, I was dealing with so many things that, uh, no five-year-old, 10-year-old, 13-year-old should ever have to deal with. Um, and, and even after I broke through, um, then I was stuck with being alone in the world, only child, right? No family, um, no parents anymore. Uh, how do I Parent myself. I had to teach myself everything, and I think that's why I follow so many like life thought leaders. Um, and and I love uh, everyone from T.D. Jakes to Tony Robbins to Tom Billu to Gary V. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done Unleash the Power Within. Um, I've done all these conferences. I even got certified in life coaching at some point. Just oh, as wow. it Happened um, because I had to become my own parent. I had to become my own superhero, and there will always be a time in your life and you're incredibly blessed if you haven't encountered it yet, where you are not able to rely on other people. Uh, First of all, it's, it's unfair, right? Um, It's nobody's job to, after a certain age, to parent you, to save you, to grow you, to raise you. Mm -hmm. Um, But secondly, I mean, like, look at the times we're having right now. Like, you there, you have to be able to sit with your own voice in your head. And when you encounter a difficulty, you have to be able to coach yourself through it, yeah. you know. Um, and that's a voice that I had to develop. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, by the way, I, I added an addendum to my bio uh, the other day, or actually just yesterday, I think yesterday or day or two, in light of the, of the times right now. And now my bio says, I became my own superhero you can too. Because mm. I, I wanted that. people to know it wasn't just about me. It was sure. it was always to set an example, but now more than ever, people need it spelled out. Like, and you can too. You Absolutely. got this, you're okay. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. No, I think that's really valuable. Obviously, you know, change is not easy for people. And, uh, you know, we're used to having certain comforts or we feel entitled to certain things in life. And then when those are gone... Or when they're not available, whatever, then uh, people sometimes panic, as we've seen.
1: (laughs) Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I was gonna say like, but see, like let's unpack even that for a moment, because that is a there's so many sayings that we have in our daily lives that are just subliminal messages. Change isn't easy, life is hard, da da da. da, da. And and why do we believe that? Who said that? I don't know that dude, you know? Because I don't think change is hard. Who gave people that idea? Uh, to me, I think um, change is fun, right? Well,
2: like, I think that, look, change is change. Yeah. But, but sometimes we make it hard on ourselves or other people do or whatever, right? And, and to, I, I believe what you're saying. It, it can be fun or it can be hard. It just sort of depends on how you look at it and what, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all in what's in your head.
1: Absolutely. And it's not that, by the way, I don't mean to make light of what's going on in the country and in the world right now. It's absolutely not that. But one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes that I saw recently was, um, instead of asking how is this the worst thing that ever happened to me, ask yourself, how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me?
2: That's absolutely right
1: and and so when i when i lead with that question instead you know how is this happening for me not against me yeah. why is this how can this be the best thing that ever happened for me that's when it becomes fun because mm-hmm. yes this is hard um or it can be i should say but there's awesome things that are coming out of it too connections with people that you never thought would happen creativity time um for me actually it's been a very comforting experience which mm-hmm. is a strange thing to say in, in this time. And yes, there is, um, the, the thing that we're all feeling, which I am also is the financial difficulties that are coming with it, you know, it's yeah. a gig economy for a gig economy for musicians and gigs are canceled. Um, but that's another challenge. Challenges are fun. I know what challenges are. I've, I've dealt with them before. I've dealt with much worse challenges than this. Yeah. Um, and, and again, not to make light of it, but it, it uh, to put it in a comforting way, um, there are bigger challenges and hardships than this. And sometimes I think people need to, there's two types of coaching, right? I've been an athlete my entire life as well. And, and there's, there's. What, what a, sports? I'm sorry? What sports? Um, so I was on swim team in high school, uh, but more important, I was in little league basketball too, but most importantly, I was actually, um, a martial artist for six years. Uh, I trained in Shaolin Kung Fu for four years in high school, started my own martial arts club and, uh, got my black belt, uh, competed for two years for Stanford, uh, collegiately as well. Oh, wow. So super fun. You really are a superhero. What?
2: You really are a superhero.
1: um I'm, like, I'm black widow that's my alter ego um <laughs> but it. yeah like it's, it's the mental training from that too it's like i mean man like it's it's, it's so cool that i got to experience that um
2: i, I spent two uh, years training shaolin and it was, yeah. it's the best thing i've ever done in my life i wish i'd it, kept it up it's amazing
1: well at least you got those two years oh yeah right? it
2: was fantastic
1: for sure, yeah yeah. yeah, and so I don't even know where I was going before this, but I just, I got really excited about that and martial arts and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. the two types of coaching, right? And and um, it's I and I was also pre med, and I used to at, at Stanford. Um, I uh, worked in Ariaga, which was our training facility, and I would work on the football players and the athletes after they came back from their practices and stuff. And you know, there's there's like I said, different types of coaching, and it's almost like when an athlete like. Kept an injury, right? They break their leg, or they fracture, they tear their ACL, or whatever. And the first step is always like, "Oh my God, okay, let's handle it." You know, let's find out all the details calmly. Let's mitigate, you know, the damage. Let's let's handle it. Are you okay? What do you need, right? And and that goes for anyone going through hardship. And that's a depending on what's going on with your life, few days, few weeks, few months, period. But then at some point, if the person doesn't do it to themselves, you run the risk of um, uh, coddling somebody and now you're no longer helping with their recovery and and their advancement you're now just enabling a disability Um, and at some point either another coach or that same coach come back in comes back in and after the three three weeks three months of like oh my god are you okay what do you need it's like all right get up man you don't need the crunch give me the (laughs) crutches get the fuck up
2: absolutely (laughs) yeah
1: and I do think at some point very soon, if not already, there needs to be that type of a messaging now. Sure. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, that seems to be very uh, not the way our society functions. So hopefully, hopefully a situation like this will, will bring more of that to light. Because I agree. I think we all need it.
1: Yeah. And and that by the way, like that strength comes not from the harshness, but from empathy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It it comes from a from actually more caring than just the oh you poor thing.
2: Well, I you know, for me, um you know, as I've learned in business and life and fatherhood to be, you know, how to be a leader, um it's really been about the fact that that uh what you're talking about comes out of um you have to believe in the person.
3: Mm, right? Yes.
2: And so I always you know say like if if i'm if i'm demanding of someone as as a boss or a leader or whatever right it's only because i believe in them that i you know would entrust them with that responsibility and um and i think we all need that right we need uh we need people to believe in us and and ultimately we need to believe in ourselves but sometimes hearing that from the outside can be incredibly powerful
1: at times when you aren't strong enough to be your own superhero, superhero, it's our job as everyone else as artists and as leaders in our community to step up and do that for other people.
3: That's so
2: Um, I want to talk about college for a second. Uh, (laughs) so you went to Stanford, right? I did. I'm Um, a nerd. (laughs) Well, so, you know, you're obviously very smart and and you're at Stanford and you're surrounded by other smart people. Um, how, how can I ask this? Did you ever find yourself jaded that like. You know, you talked about your childhood and, um, you know, all the challenges you went through and just, you know, s- some rough stuff that um, that you had to get through before you find yourself, you know, on the Stanford campuses um, with a and bunch. And then the
1: real hardship started. Little did I know. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, but that's, we'll get to that. Anyway, what was your question?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting my own experience, but, you know, I went through some shit as a kid as Many people did. And then, you know, and then I was at UCLA with a bunch of smart kids who were, in a lot of cases, really entitled and really Mm. naive to the ways of the world. And Mm -hmm. it was definitely a challenge for me not to be jaded and just think that those people were full of shit. Like, you Mm. know, they knew their books, but they knew nothing about the world. And that's not fair because a lot of them were probably amazing, but I wasn't in a place in my life to necessarily recognize that in other people. Um, yeah. And so I'm wondering, I, you know, I'm wondering how much of that you went through, because um, I think that's a challenge sometimes for people that have survived or that have overcome, you know, significant hardships, is to kind of like downplay maybe what other people have gone through.
1: Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Um. Ironically, I go through more of that now. Uh, in L.A., in Hollywood, in sure. entertainment, um, then at Stanford. Like, I was I was so blessed at Stanford. Uh, maybe it was just my friend circle. that the, we, They were so cool. All my homies were so cool. Um, and nobody had an ego, uh, mm. no matter how wealthy or not wealthy they were. Like, nobody put on airs or anything like that. The only struggle I did have at Stanford was, was one, actually, because my friends loved me so much, is I never wanted to go to school. Mm -hmm. I I literally, I didn't want to take my SATs. I took them on a whim. Like I literally forgot that it was the last like week to take them. And then I rushed there and had to take all three SAT twos on one day. (laughs) Um, and then I like just somehow accidentally got into Stanford and then I was like, well, it'll get me the fuck out of here. So then I went, um, and it bought me time, you know, uh, safely away from, um, where I grew up. And so I, had a conflict at Stanford because I didn't want to be there. And I spent all my time, um, in the studio trying to record records. I also was, um, an intern full-time at a, uh, two different TV stations, the international channel, and then Fox news mm. or Fox two, uh, in the Bay area. And I just never showed up to class. Like, and I started to fail so badly. Yeah, Can you imagine pre-med at Stanford and you never go to class? Like crazy. The smartest people in the world, and I'm like, I miss all the classes. Uh, I remember finals, like for one of the for human biology, I rolled in 30 minutes late to a three hour final, and like I walked in, and you know, you pray that they pick the lecture hall that the door opens in the back. Uh-huh. Nope. No. I was like, Aah. and then I looked around, and I like tiptoed into the. And so I actually, I was, I was, I was the black sheep and I was the flunky at mm. Stanford. Um, and and to the point where I actually ended up getting put on academic probation, because how do you even Same. pass classes?
2: <laughs> Same, yep
1: and my friends were like what are you doing you know like get back in here this is crazy and they didn't mean to discourage me but they were like this is a pipe dream that's insane you're you're a stanford student like fucking get your ass back in here do the thing get the degree you know you're like my parents um i no longer talk to anymore but they had wanted me to be a nobel laureate i was on my way to doing that like all my history had said that i was in line for that um and like uh Yeah, they didn't, my friends didn't know what they were doing, but they basically discouraged me every step of the way, Um, but they loved me, you know, Um, and finally I took a year off from school, Uh, Stanford has this amazing program, I don't know if it's still in place where no questions asked, you can take a year off, you just come right back, you don't have to apply again, their whole thing is like, look, if you're here, we trust you. You made it, you know, Um, we know you're not a moron if you got in. So just come back when you're ready, is their whole attitude. And I did. And I changed my degree to journalism, which I actually did care about, because I at that point thought, hey, if I become a TV host, at least it bridges the two Mm -hmm. academics and entertainment. And as soon as I switched my major to something I cared about, it was insane. It was like. That's when I first started to realize, maybe I'm not stupid. Mm. It, uh, ironically, all the accolades until that point, I still believe what my parents told me, which is you're stupid. You're not gonna accomplish anything without us. You yeah. can't accomplish anything on your own. Um, and then when I switched my major to something my brain actually cared about. I was like, oh my God, I'm not even trying. Am I, I'm at the top of the class. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Like, I, I really wasn't trying. I just, like when I was standing in line at Starbucks, I would read a little bit. And then when finals came around, I was like, Oh my God, I accidentally read everything already. All right, I'll just take the final. And then I would get an A on it. Or I'd come in late, you know, because again, I was definitely a reject. And like, um, i would come coming late to class and the professor would be reading my article out to the class as an example of like, how to write. Oh, wow. and, and that's when I graduated really quickly. And then I realized, Oh, so maybe it isn't that I'm stupid. Maybe it isn't that I'm a failure. Maybe it is that my brain needs to care something care about something for it to lock on and then excel in it. Um,
2: does that does that lesson still come up for you now? And in- in other areas. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an, yep. What's, what's an example. Um,
1: I think the more general example is now I just don't. I know better. I just don't do shit. If I if I know I don't care about it. Yeah. You know, and I'm very careful with I, I'm about my word. So I believe that all you have in life is your word at the end of the day. Everything else you can lose, you yeah. know, but um, your reputation and your word. That's all you have. You have integrity. Um, if I don't have a dime left in this world, I know that if you say "Ryden" in, in the industry, you know people are like, "Oh yeah, no, she's legit." You mm-hmm. know, if she says she's going to do something, she's going to do it. If she says she's going to do something, it's going to be of high quality. She will yeah. deliver. And um, I protect that by if you understand how your mind works, instead of um, trying to reprogram it, you know, um, it, it's almost like. Put this like: If somebody gives you, if you if you get this amazing uh, sports car, if you get a Lamborghini or whatever, you're better off trying, uh, learning how to drive that car in its best capacity, than to. Uh, be upset the whole time that it's not a Mustang GT and it's not good at drifting or w- <laughs> whatever it is, right. you know? So I was like, why won't this car? You're ruining the fucking car and someone gave you a Lamborghini. Like, it's, um, I don't know if that's an accurate, for all you gearheads, you can tell me if that's an <laughs> accurate uh, description. I yeah, mean, I, don't,
2: I don't think you can drift a Lamborghini.
1: Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> I
2: haven't um, tried, but,
1: <laughs>
2: but I don't think If anyone has
1: a Lambo, I will happily try for that's you. That's right. We can I do want to experiment out. on my own. <laughs> I don't have one, by the way. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I don't sign on to things unless I know that I care about it, that I'll kill it 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, part of being an adult and being responsible is also knowing the self awareness that like, okay, look, I'm not good at staying focused on things that I don't care about. So if I have to do something that I don't care about, let me let me Really, really turn on that self-discipline muscle and make sure I fucking just muscle through this thing. Because yeah. if I don't, then I don't. It's not okay anymore. We're we're all adults now, you know. It's not okay just to be like, well, I don't care. Bye bye.
2: <laughs> sure. So um, that's really interesting. So if you're uh, if you're a superhero, what's your weakness?
1: Whew. Man, I've worked so hard on so many of my. Um I think I have the same weaknesses as everybody else. And isn't that the beauty of superheroes? It's like the, the ones that I love. Uh, my two favorite ones are Iron Man and Black Widow because they don't have powers, mm-hmm. you know? Right. They're not powered. They're sure. just them. And they developed skill sets. Um we're all plagued by the same things. I have insecurity just like everybody else. Before I started this video, I was like, what if my face looks weird on camera? You know, I I called my friend last night. I was like, let me just test this. It does not. Oh, thank thank God. That's because I tested it. Nice. (laughs) No, but, uh, you know, I have the same insecurities as everybody else. Um, I'm worried about how I look, just like everybody else. I'm worried about uh, being good enough. I'm worried about being talented enough. Um, The accomplishments that I do have, you know, I wonder if they match up to everybody else's. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm uh, on a label like Dimock, but you know, uh, in my insecure moments, I'm like, but I'm not the biggest artist at that label. Sure. You know, am I even a priority? Do they even care about me? Right. And you can be careful. If you're not careful, you'll shrink into that. Yeah. You know, um, uh, am I gonna survive this, this, this semi-apocalypse that's going on? Like I only have groceries for the next two weeks. What if, mm-hmm. you know? We all have those same voices in our heads, but where the difference comes is what you do in the face of those voices. That's right. Um, and and so when I hear those, I go, okay. But I've done this before. I faced much harder shit. I faced hardship, and I've never lost. I've never lost. Yeah. Um, and that's just stuff. Again, it's 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 stacked experiences that I believe in, um, and and it also comes from faith. You know. Um, you have to believe in humanity. Um, uh, you have to believe in something higher than yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, that's God doesn't have to be people like to call it universe, you know? Um, but you have to believe in something because if all you have to rely on is the human ability, that's not very encouraging sometimes. Um, sure. You know?
2: Well, at least, you know, yeah, we, we see, you know, media loves to show us all the, all the downsides of, of, human behavior um and there's a lot of that and probably you know but there's a lot of great too
1: that there sometimes is. we overlook yes and yeah. we should highlight more of the great so that people are encouraged and inspired by it a 100 um and, and i think one more thing too is at least for me as an artist um and, and but it just applies to everyone also what gives me that strength and ability to essentially, you know, like system override when my human insecurities and, and concerns and fears come into is, I believe that I'm here on this earth to serve a purpose higher than myself. Mm. And and when you are called to something, um, you rise to the occasion uh, with a lot more power than you would if you were just rising to it for yourself. Um, yeah. I believe that as an artist, I was meant to inspire and empower and set an example and to lead people um and never in a time in at least my brief amount of time in human history has an artist like me and others like me been needed more Mm. you know Mm -hmm. i think we're going to see a shift in the type of art that is created in this time um there's been a lot of like here's a banger yeah like and that's worked for a while but the venues and the context for those bangers no longer exist you know,
2: I mean that's such a great point. There's a there's a book I read last year, uh, David Byrne's book, um, How Music Works.
1: Oh, I would love to read that.
2: It's really good, um, and he talks about how music has changed according to the venue, mm. and how you know the. I mean, you talked about classical music, right? And so those uh, the arrangements, which then kind of informed the compositions, yes. were based on trying to fill these great sound halls, right? And then, when they moved into, you know, juke joints where they were playing blues, obviously I skipped a lot of time. But, um, <laughs> but, right, but those songs were written very differently, even the yeah. length of the composition, like all of that, because they' were written to be played in a certain environment. And then when songs are being written for the radio, that changed. And when yeah. electronic music is written for a rave or a festival, right, or a 24-hour DJ set. Uh, yeah, like those those things change again. And so I think um, where we have been at the beginning of starting to see music that was written for streaming. Um, but again, even now, like kind of what you're saying, like, writ- you know, writing music to be streamed at home with people in isolation is is very different than uh, than people having this collective environment at a festival or, or a concert.
1: Yeah yes because i um, maybe i'm the only one of this opinion and i'm going to get flack for it right but um it seems a bit tone deaf right to to yeah. in the light of the times be like here's a banger here's a live stream of bangers like I, I don't need that right now as as a as a huge fan you know and as a part of the the industry and all of that like uh, what I am playing now is Alicia Keys and, mm. and Andre Day. And when John Legend did a live stream the other day, oh, my God, it made my life. He, he had this new song called, um, I think, uh, Conversations of the Dark. And it, it could not have been more perfect for The Times. And he wrote it earlier, but it was yeah. beautiful. That made my day. The weekend dropped an album last night. Oh, my God, that made my life. Like, it made me so happy. I was like, there's stuff going on in the world, and I'm dancing. You yeah. know, um, things that, that uh, give us a the job of an artist right is to be both a catalyst and a conduit for the times mm. and and the times have changed sure. and, and some people have not yet adapted to that and that's okay um well, it's
2: only been but, two weeks or a week
1: yeah, i adapt fast okay Josh?
2: so t- so talk to me about that what um you've been <laughs> home for a week yeah i'm so, on day nine now okay so uh there's two things i want to know one Tell me about what you're writing. Like, how how has your writing changed in the last nine days?
1: Um, believe it or not, my writing has not had to change that much, or not had to. Sorry, I should say it hasn't changed that much in the sense that uh, my uh, entire artist project has always been about empowerment.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's also been about uh, inclusivity, originality, uh, being yourself, yeah. um, all of that, and. And like I said earlier, never at any other time in human history has my message of empowerment been needed more, you know? Um, And so it's so cool for me. Like, it's so cool because I'm like, man, like, people are going to listen now. Like, finally, in a weird way, I feel less alone now during these times uh, than than everything else, because I've had... um, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I've had a debilitating health condition. I've had, um, I faced huge risk and hardship. I've been trying to get this message out as an artist, and for the first time in my life, the rest of the world cares. Mm. The, for the first time in my life, the rest of the world has experienced a little bit of what sure. I've experienced my entire life, and they get it now and they care. I got, I got a call from a friend of mine last night, and he was like man he's like this is my first experience how do you do this and he literally called to ask me how i did it yeah. um and he finally got it for the first time and and he not only got it but then he actually turned around and never compliments me because he's one of those types but he's like man i just want to say you know with all this stuff you're a beast man <laughs> Nice. Uh, I don't know how you do this shit, man. Uh, this is my first taste of of hardship like this, and 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 I'm already going crazy, and it's only day three of quarantine, and I'm like, um. So for me, I felt more and more inspired and more and more of an outlet. I have um, done a little bit less of the party, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even in my party tracks though, like with let it go, I inject little bits of self-empowerment in there anyway, you know, Um, live fast, die young, not take it slow. It's okay. Better late than never, though. Um, You know, stuff like that. And then we go back to the don't waste all the space girl, let it go. You know, but even in my party songs, there has been that message. And so I've just been going deeper now um my tracks are a little bit less up tempo and party. Uh they're they're a little bit more emotional, I guess, mm-hmm. is is what it is. But man, there's so much to talk
2: about. Absolutely. <laughs> um You know, it's interesting you say that. So you, you'd mentioned Gary V earlier. Um and I saw him giving a talk once where, you know, he was kind of like you know, he said Everyone's like uh, excited about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, and you know it looks sexy and glamorous. And he said, you know, um, entrepreneurship—being an entrepreneur means getting up every day and getting punched in the face. And um, and I think you know there is something to that. I mean, I'm that resonated with me when he said it, but mm-hmm. I think um, the reality is our ability to take a punch as humans is defining to who we are and how successful we can be. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and right now everyone's learning how to take a punch or some people are learning mm-hmm. for the first time how mm-hmm. to take a punch.
1: And that is why people are terrified, right? Because yeah. imagine it being your first punch. Ronda Rousey, her first
2: <laughs> That's right. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but the, the martial artists, uh, the fighters, and people who have taken several punches are like, oh, that was it. This isn't even that hard of a punch. Right. That's the crazy thing. Sure. It's like um you know <clears throat> the, the 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 health threat that this is now. I am so relieved and grateful that the only ramification and the the, the prevention for this is just to stay at home. Right. And and work on music and and talk with friends and connect. That's a, um that's amazing. Sure. You know, I have been Last year, in the beginning of the year, I was sick for four months straight, oh, shit. four months straight. Yeah. I went on four rounds of antibiotics. Doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. And every day I would lie on my couch and be like, oh, my God, like, what is there an end to this? Will I come out of this? Um, what's wrong with me? But nobody else in the world experienced that. So nobody else in the world cared. Yeah, um, yeah of and
3: course.
2: I
1: That's dealt right. with that alone. You know, in um, 2014, a doctor had, um, I, I have a pre-existing, I'm immune compromised, all that stuff. And so this is obviously, it should be a lot more terrifying to me than anybody else. Sure. Uh, but I'm here and I'm thriving. <laughs> um, it, but, you know, in 2014, a doctor, a rheumatologist, um Uh, I have a rheumatoid condition. And my rheumatologist at that time misprescribed me a medication. I should have filed a malpractice sweep, but I was too sick at that time to even do that. He he misprescribed me. He didn't check for the factors in my body that should have told him that I was not able to handle that drug. Um, One week week later, I woke up in bed and I went like this just to start the day. And all my hair was in my hand. All of it. And then I went to the bathroom and freaked out. This is how I started my morning, you know, and I was like, oh, and I brushed this part of my head and the rest was gone. (laughs) And then uh, very quickly after that, uh, my tongue swelled up to the point that like, and my throat and my tongue to where if I lay down, I couldn't breathe because they would, block my own like you know breathing yeah. uh my throat uh I was nauseous and lightheaded the entire time uh he didn't want to admit to me what he did so I didn't know what was going on oh, no. I did not know I went to see I uh I forget the name of the type of doctor but I went to see a hair doctor essentially who was like oh you have alopecia that's what's I did you have alopecia it took me years to finally go see another doctor right and finally was like oh didn't test for this. Um, and for a year, for, for a, an entire year, I went through life in extreme pain uh, as my body started to paralyze. Uh, and all my hair fell out. I walked around looking like a cancer patient. Um, I couldn't breathe. I could barely eat. And I put myself through Icon Collective during that time. And I shaved the rest of my hair mm. because I said, you're not going to make this decision for me. Whatever this disease is, whatever is happening, because at that point, I thought it was a disease. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do this first so that when I look crazy to the outside world, it'll be my choice. And then I shaved my whole head and I looked so terrible that I wanted to cry because when you lose your hair from an illness or at that point, a medication, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, you don't look like Amber rose. You know, your hair doesn't look like this. It looks like like, uh, patchy. Yeah, yeah. It falls out. And everywhere you go, you never realize how cruel some humans are until you go out like that. And everyone, every other person has something to say.
3: Mm.
1: And, and I never knew that like, cause I would never say that to somebody, you know, I'd be eating lunch uh, outside and somebody would just come off the street and talk to me and they would think they meant well, but they'd be like, are you sick? Can I, what's going on? Wow. And they just wanted to know for selfish reasons, so they could tweet about it later and be like, I talked to this poor girl today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, And so I went through all those things alone. Um, And and yes, I had a few amazing friends who would every once in a while come and check in on me and stuff like that, but I was alone in my home. I drove myself to the ER. i, I uh, uh got up and got my meds alone uh, years before that one time when i had a flare-up i had to get driven off the set of a music video and i literally because my back was spasming um i i got picked, dropped off at the end of um in beverly hills adjacent the cbs parking lot i'll never forget it um and i got dropped off by one of the crew members because i was a liability on set once my back started to spasm and i Physically crawled on hands and knees from at like twelve a.m. at night from one end of the parking lot to the pharmacy desk of that CVS just to get my whatever those were muscle relaxant drugs. Oh, damn. And 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 people were like, "What is going on?" But people do more of a "What is going on?" than like, "Can I help?" Yeah, sure. And I, it was it was so pathetic because like I like I literally had to crawl because I couldn't stand up. Um, and and I got to the edge of that like CVS like desk. <laughs> i like it, i was like Schmiegel. like i like did this and i was like i, I need to I, and then like my back spasmed up again and oh I was, like, damn <laughs> and I, it was so sad
2: that's crazy
1: so pathetic um so so coming from something like that to finding out that like This threat just involves staying in and and doing what I love anyway. I I feel so grateful. Like I understand, what's going on in the world right now. I understand why it's scary because your first punch is scary, Mm -hmm. right? But when you break it down, it's very important when you panic and you have fear and uncertainty and all those things that you break it down into actual facts and into steps. And I think that's how I've combated every fear I have. Whatever someone's told me that sounds fearful, fearful, I go, okay, but how does this look? In real life, in daily life, what are the steps? That's like, right. what do we have to do? Yeah. And when you break it down, what's going on outside is scary, but what we actually have to do is not. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's where the freedom for me comes from. And I don't mean to be insensitive when I post stuff like you know happily in my room or whatever. Um, but when you break it down, the only thing we have to do is stay inside.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's insensitive. Uh, insensitive. I think we need we you know. Now's the time to uplift each other. Yes. Know, it's, not a, it's not about glossing over, you know, what some people might be going through, whether it's economically or, or health-wise, right? But, you know, the reality is, someone's always going through that stuff,
3: Mm-hmm.
2: right? Like, we didn't have, you know, our death rate was not zero two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden we're all in danger, right? Like, we're all in a certain amount of danger at all times. Um, and people die every day. And uh, so, you know, I I think it's much more important that we all keep our heads about us and we uplift each other and we find, you know, ways to motivate and energize each other. And, you know, people are, um, you know, people are blessed at the moment with a rare opportunity to create or to get to know themselves or... You know, do a bunch of things that we don't get to do because we're all busy with everyday life.
1: Yeah, and help each other. Like, what yeah. a great, what an amazing time to be alive to experience this, you know? And again, for I, sure. it's a gig economy for me, 100%. Like, two out of my three jobs essentially are completely gone. Right. And I don't know when that's happening. I'm feeling that as well. Of course. But, you know, I was the one who rallied my build. I live in a building with seven units. And I was the one who sent an email chain and, and rallied the neighbors, you know, like a week ago and said, Hey, we're all in this together. Let's we, we don't really talk in this building, but like, mm-hmm. let's start a community. Um, and if anyone needs anything, these are the things I have, you know, and it was wow. such a beautiful thing, because then everyone else woke up and started to respond. Yeah, and of it course. was like, that's hey, amazing. I got this, 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 you know, right. this, this, this. and the other day someone was like, does anybody have an envelope and a stamp? I'm not going out to the post office just for an envelope. And wow. immediately, two minutes later, someone was like, I have an envelope and a stamp. Like, you know,
2: that's brilliant. Everyone, we should all be doing that. That's so cool. Yes. That's so and cool. And what if we
1: could do that in the world? Like, sure. man, like so much better than fighting at Costco for things. Cause you'll, if it's everyone for themselves, no one has anything, you know? Yeah. You'll never be able to cover. Trust me, I have had to do this alone my entire life. And even I know you'll never be able to cover all your bases for yourself.
2: Of course not. Yeah, we're We not. need everybody else. Life doesn't work that way. Nope. If you're enjoying this one, uh, go back into Rebel Radio Archives. Another great Mac artist, O.K., that's double O-K-A-Y, was one of our early guests. Super fun interview, that guy was killing it on social media at the time, still is, and um, had some really interesting stories, stories to tell about just kind of finding his way into the uh, dance music business, just showing up and becoming part of the community and, and letting, uh, letting nature take its course from there. So you can go dig into that one after you finish this one. Well, this is amazing. I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, this is so cool. I, I love it. Um, uh, tell me, musically, what are you what are you most excited about right now?
1: Um, I'm excited about releases. Obviously, yeah. no one's touring. No one's doing shows sure. anymore. Um, I have a few label releases coming up, but uh, I think right now what I may start doing is uh, releasing on my own in the meantime because there is a radius clause with with labels now, yeah. or some of the label deals that I've signed, where I can't release anything on a label a month before and a yeah. month after. But right now, people need art. Um, the other thing that I'm doing is really that I'm really excited about. I just started like two days ago. It was an idea I wanted to do something to give back and spread like positivity and good vibes in the community besides just your live dj stream um i, ju- I just felt that like there needed to be more mm-hmm. than that so i decided to do to give away the one thing that everyone always asks me for in the music community which is a collab or a vocal feature nice. uh, so i don't know when this will air but it'll either be live already or not but um i'm giving away a vocal feature to uh i don't know whoever wins this beat challenge oh right? that's so cool Thank you. Um, I've, I've also reached out to uh, to two of the brands that I work with um, or have worked with in the past. So Young and Reckless and Red Bull Remix Lab. Yeah. Uh, Young and Reckless is going to give away a free outfit to whoever wins. Uh, and uh, Red Bull Remix Lab is going to be involved and help post on socials and all of that. And they're they're, they're putting together a type of a prize for the winner as well. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so I'll post it on Instagram and all all the producers have to do is upload a 1 minute beat to their mm-hmm. Instagram with the graphic and you know obviously tag me and Red Bull and all sure. that stuff. Um but it's just something I put together because man, like let's have a cool fun exciting project right now. Uh even Absolutely. You know, like even me live streaming my shows or a DJ set would be a little bit self-serving in a way. It's it's totally. a little bit just- yeah. About me still. Hey, I don't get to perform. I still want to perform. Not to say that the DJs who are doing that aren't doing great things for the community. There are sure. people who love tuning into that 100. percent But yep. I felt that my impact would be bigger because I. So many producers follow me, mm-hmm. um, and it would be so exciting. You know, like something to take your mind off of it. Like man, like you can either go dig up a beat or you can uh, make your own. But in the meantime, like it's something cool and fun that you can you can win and. Yeah. No, that's great.
2: So. I love it. Okay, I got to okay. do a little lightning round uh before I let okay, you go. Okay, lightning round. Okay. okay. What's your favorite city to travel to? Um uh,
1: Nassau, Bahamas.
2: Oh. That's that's you. I think you're the first one to mention Nassau. That's amazing.
1: That amazing experience. I've never been. Oh well you have to go and you also have to backpack ideally you backpack your way around by hitchhiking, by hiding onto a mailboat and then hitchhiking a ride with a hog farmer on a remote island so you can see the world's deepest ocean sinkhole
2: I will uh, I will try to make sure I do that It sounds <laughs> I will, incredible
1: I can give you exact tips and directions nice. as to how to do that
2: all right I'm gonna hit you up for that um, who's your favorite DJ
1: Oh, it's a lightning round! Shit, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have. That's alright. We'll we'll
2: edit out the pause. Okay, I
1: mean, I do like uh, right for this current week. Rufus D'Soule okay. is, is a great example, yeah. but again, it changes with the time. So
2: that's fine. He's great. Yeah. What's the last great book you read?
1: Ooh, <laughs> God, I'm so bad at these lightning
2: rounds. Tell me, tell um, me any um, great book that's that's had a big impact on you
1: uh i'm looking at it right now this is so embarrassing um but it's actually impacted a lot of my life fabulosity by kimura lee simmons okay <laughs> listen All right. for you women out there yeah. it is empowering she is a queen she will tell you what is up
2: <laughs> kimura was a, a cultural force uh at yes. one time we seem to have forgotten about her but
1: Yes, and when I was a little girl, no one looked like me out there. That's yeah. I. And when she ha- came out and she had a reality show and she did her thing, like, yeah. she was so inspiring. And then that book talks about being a female in an all, especially in hip hop, in an all male industry, sure. shocker, parallel to my life now, you know? And, and one of the things I'll never forget is she said, um, She says in the book, she goes, uh, you know, while all the other women thought that, like, you know, to fit in, they had to be more and more of a guy, you know, and like, just dress like the guys, act like the guys. She goes, no, I decided to be myself. Mm -hmm. I walked in dripping in diamonds and furs and six inch stilettos. And when I owned my feminine energy, everyone went, who's that bitch? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So
2: That's great. All right. right. I love it. Um, (laughs) What movie have you watched the most in your life?
1: Endgame or Avengers Infinity War. Okay. Both of them are tied. Probably Infinity War just because it's been around longest, so I've had more time to watch it. But I yeah.
2: think I just read that Endgame. Was that the le- the last one? Yes. I think that was the biggest Marvel movie of all time. God. It's crazy. Um, well, obviously, you have amazing style now, um, but what is there a style from your past... That you're glad is behind you and not on social media
1: (laughs) oh my god yes yes um I don't know if this was a style so much but like at some point I did the worst makeup possible (laughs) god it was so bad okay so embarrassingly bad like I just first of all I'm not good at makeup. I'm just, I'm just terrible at it. And like it I'm so bad at it that I had an ex-boyfriend make fun of me and then tell me to go take lessons and then he actually made me go take lessons at the MAC store. Like wow. this was 10 years ago obviously, but like this I mean, that's that's, how those,
2: bad. that's probably valuable. Probably yeah. a lot of people could benefit from lessons at the MAC store. And no one tells them. <laughs>
1: facebook profile photo of me i think it's on private now thank god but i had the worst eyebrow eyebrows they were like this big and like my eye makeup was a mess like shit was black god it was terrible right. and my hair had the worst highlights like it was just i couldn't find a good hairstylist back then shout out to color lounge burbank was amazing now um but like i had those terrible it just looked like someone drew on mm. my hair with like a marker like just got the worst yeah it's terrible
2: if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be?
1: Oh, perfect health.
2: Okay. Um, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over?
1: You can do this.
2: Love it. Love it. That's amazing. It's so much fun talking to you. I appreciate you Thank making you. time and, uh, and all the stories and, and wisdom it's great stuff Um, how should everybody find you online pretty
1: simple I'm on all the socials as at official Ryden R-Y-D-E-N usually if you just search me on Spotify or Instagram or anything as Ryden again R-Y-D-E-N I should be one of the first if not the first to pop up so yeah that's me
2: Yeah, that was riding on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Facebook, Instagram, it's all the same. Rebel Radio Net. Uh, You can find videos of a lot of our episodes showing up on our YouTube page. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.